All right, it's good to be here. <clears throat> Met with some of your leadership the other day and had the opportunity to kind of talk shop about what missions looks like uh, in Nicaragua. Your church uh, here, you, you guys are reaching people in Republic. You guys are looking in, into uh, reaching out and seeing an impact uh, in your community. Uh, but when you start talking missions, you have to ask yourself, you know, why? Why, why would our church get involved in investing uh, in, in time, doing missions trips, uh, investing financially in missions trips. I'm going to assume that uh, if you're here today, uh, you're a Jesus follower. You're following uh, Jesus. You're following Jesus's principles. You're uh, following the Bible. You're trying to seek out what God would want you to do as a church. And um, if anybody ha- here has been involved in in leadership or leadership development, uh, leadership seminars. Uh, whether it's on a corporate level, a church level, whatever, when you as a leader take off for a certain period of time, whether it's a week, a month, whatever, you're going to have a meeting with your leadership team. You're going to have a sit down and you're going to talk to your leadership team and you're going to say, hey, I'm, I'm taking off for a while. Uh, this, is the, this is the things that I need you to, to work on, to focus on. And really whatever, whatever is, is, the, is the main thing on your mind, you're going to drive it home. It's going to be the last thing you say. It's going to be the, the, the most important thing that comes out of your mouth. And uh, Jesus had a leadership team. Now, his leadership team continues on to this day. His leadership team involves everybody that ever accepts him as their savior. And when he took off for a couple thousand years, he had something important to say. And what, what was that? He, he had said so many things during his ministry and motivating then these men and training these men. And he had about a, a three-year ministry to focus on that. But what was the, the last thing that Jesus said? Because whatever it was, the last thing that he said must have been the most important thing on his mind. And the last thing that Jesus wanted to get across to his leadership team, which involved the, uh, the disciples, but it also involves every Christian from that moment on, that we'll ever have the opportunity to read the Bible, what was that, that command or that urging, uh, that, uh, that principle that Jesus wanted to get across? It's known as the Great Commission. We're supposed to go into all the world and reach the lost. You can see that in, in Matthew uh, chapter 28. You can see that in Mark, 6, uh, Mark 16. It was a last-ditch effort by the Son of God, the creator of all the universes, to get his church that he had spent three years developing on the right track to do what mattered most. And so what mattered most to Jesus was missions. Now you guys are uh, in, a, in a time where you're going through the book of Acts, and, uh, and, and, and we're going to be in, in the book of Acts chapter 4 today. If you'd look there... And uh, as you look through the, the, the book of Acts, understand that this is l- like Luke 2. This is, you, you could call it Acts or, or Luke 2. You have Luke 1, Luke 2. This is a transitionary uh, book of the Bible. And Luke is continuing the story of a public reaction. This is a reaction uh, of the people because these, these disciples, these followers of Jesus, have heal, healed a crippled beggar. Now, you would think people would be excited about it. In actuality, people were kind of freaking out about it. And the, the people that were freaking out the most about this, uh, they were not the followers of Jesus. Uh, it was the Sanhedrin. 
Now, the Sanhedrin, who are they? We don't have an entire service to explain that. Let's just understand that the, that the Sanhedrin hated Jesus. The Sanhedrin hated the followers of Jesus. The Sanhedrin wanted nothing to do with the name of Jesus. And so they're out uh, hating on this, these men. They're trying to figure out how to destroy these men like they thought they were going to destroy Jesus. And through the entire chapter, the early Christians show courage uh, because of their complete faith in God's sovereignty and in the resurrection of Jesus. But again, the Sanhedrin doesn't care about all of that. All they care about is somebody's getting their attention. Somebody's in on their show. Somebody's pulling the, the, the efforts and the attention away from them and putting it on this Jesus. And, and to give you a quick breakdown in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter, and, Peter and John, uh, they, they get arrested. That's verses 1 through 4. And then verses 1 through 22, uh, that kind of shows the part where they're before the Sanhedrin and they're kind of having to answer uh, for what they've done. Now I understand they've done something good, but yet because they've done something good, they're having to, they, they, they have to answer for it. Uh, they've, uh, they've been uh, uh, arrested and interrogated. The focus on that is really in verses 1 through 12. Imagine doing something good, being taken in by the authorities, authorities that were known for killing people. And then you see verses 23 through 31. That's the prayer of the community, the community of believers. And there's a whole bunch of them. There was, uh, this, this was uh, the mega church thing is not new. They were having mega churches in the Bible. They were having mega churches that had to meet in homes around the cities. They were planting mega churches uh, almost over the weekend. And uh, so there was uh, this, this, this push for the gospel. People were suffering for the gospel, but people were accepting the gospel. And the cool part about Acts 4 is, um, is the difficulty. But in that difficulty, we see Christianity and we see it for the real deal it's supposed to be. You see... Uh, this next year, I hope to travel to Cuba. There's an organization that may uh, invest in Cuba. They want me there. Our organization has uh, people uh, that are in Cuba because of the, the organization in Costa Rica that are sending pastors in to work with these, these Cuban pastors. Why, why in the world would, the, would uh, the gospel be spreading in Cuba? Well, because it's not easy. And sometimes when Christianity has to suffer, that's when Christianity is spread the most. And that's what was going on here in this time period. Peter and John are arrested. Then they're released. Then, they're, then the, the, the believers, they pray for boldness. But so many difficulties are, are laced throughout Acts chapter 4 that I want to touch today. And when I was talking to the pastoral staff, we wanted to, they were looking for a focus on the difficulties of missions, but how, what we can do about it. What are the difficulties and how do we pray for that? And to know what to pray for, we have to seek the Scriptures. We have to open the Scriptures and learn the difficulties that we're going to supposedly bathe in prayer. You see, in America, we still have the finances. In America, in the United States of America, we're still the country that is impacting the world globally. But let's understand something real fast. It's not getting much better in america and christians aren't getting more excited about jesus in america and it's starting to get harder in america and maybe just maybe god is going to allow that to happen to bring people into a suffering for the cause of christ so that there'll be a true growth of christianity and people will will focus on jesus 
like they did in these times. Now, the modern-day church, you guys are the modern-day church. We're in 2016. Things are happening. I mean, we, I, I'm in all kinds of churches. A lot of different churches support us. Churches that run 20 people support us. A church that runs 15,000 supports us. A church that runs over 3,000 supports us. Another church that runs over 3,000 supports us. We have, we have uh, individuals that support us. Small groups that have, that have taken us on for support. I mean, we have every gamut of, of, of uh, Christianity in America that's plugged into our ministry in Nicaragua. I just flew back from Nicaragua about a week and a half ago and met with a foundation. It's a foundation of Christian businessmen. So this isn't a church. I flew in. I met with some of their leadership. We cut some videos. And they want to fund uh, some of the works in Nicaragua. In fact, in, in November, I should be making an announcement that there's a $40,000 matching fund offering to build an auditorium of, just, of, of, of businessmen out of Des Moines, Iowa that wanted to get involved in uh, advancing the kingdom in Nicaragua. But with all that said, the modern-day church of Jesus looks different. But it still is supposed to have the same goals. It's a, still supposed to do what Jesus wanted us to do, and that is reach the entire world with the gospel. So the modern-day church should be able to have a modern-day impact on global missions. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. The modern-day church, you guys, should be able to have a modern-day impact on global missions. How? Well, by recognizing and praying for the difficulties we face in modern-day ministry. See, it's not you and us. It's not me and you. See, we have the church of Jesus Christ that God sent His Son to die for and to be the founder of, and we're in the same game. I just happen to do it from Nicaragua. I just happen to be on the front lines of Nicaragua. I just happen to speak Spanish. I happen to be a pastor in a Spanish country. I happen to pastor the pastors in a Spanish-speaking country. But we're still on the same team. We're still in the same church. We're still advancing God's kingdom. But if we wanted to break this down through Acts chapter 4 and look at uh, some of the difficulties that these men faced that actually apply to today. And this is what's going on mainly in America. And difficulty number one, I put this down as being legit draws attention. Where are we at here? Being legit draws attention. You see, we have this entire world that we're supposed to reach. And the one thing that you could really pick out amongst those, those early Christians, the primitive church, they died for the cause of Christ. They had work ethic. They got up early. They went to bed late. They went to bed tired. They were reaching people, and they were suffering for it. You see, in the early church, the primitive church, mediocrity was not a part of who they are. And that's why I put that phrase there. Mediocrity doesn't draw attention good or bad mediocrity is just white noise nobody really pays attention to it so when i say being legit draws attention what am i talking about when you're a church that's going out and reaching people when you're a church that's going out and impacting lives when you're a church that says we want to get involved in global missions guess what Jesus is excited about that. Satan isn't. Satan does not want your church to have a global impact. So being legit 
is a two-way street. Being legit draws attention of seekers. What are the seekers? People who are actually drawing into the church. People who are visiting the church. Your church is a church plant. You've had to tear out walls. You've had to grow. You've had to expand. That makes you a winner. You see, being legit draws people to you. You see, people are drawn to winners. Now, we have a Chiefs fan back there. Now, back in the 90s, there was this phenomenon. People from Kansas, people from Arkansas, people from uh, the West Coast were wearing Dallas Cowboys uh, jerseys. They weren't even from Texas, but they're wearing Dallas Cowboys jerseys. Why do you think that is? Because they had Troy Aikman, they were going to the Super Bowl, and they were winning Super Bowls, and people like to be with the winning team. You will draw people to your church just because you're being a winner. People are not drawn to losers. People are not drawn to losers in leadership. People are drawn to winners in leadership. The church needs to be the winner, and they draw people. People trust a winner. People want to be a part of of the winning team however this this idea of being legit drawing attention it also draws bad attention and that's the difficulty part and that's the part i want you to look at it draws attention of our enemies the enemy hates success the enemy satan hates this church the devil hates that you're here the devil hates that you're reaching people and the devil is ticked off that you may want to get involved in global outreach in Nicaragua he's not okay with that you see there is there's two sides here and Satan hates the side you're playing for the enemy Satan hates every win you have and so if you want to pray for missions understand that right now in Nicaragua God is pointing his finger on that country we have a dozen churches nine of those churches have land buildings full-time staff tithing churches Many of them are already involved in the missionary endeavor, supporting missions. Three of those remaining churches already have their own land. Now we're just raising support for facilities. The final church doesn't have land or a building, but it will. And so right now, what's going on in Nicaragua? We have a winning team. It's going good. We're training nationals. We're developing leaderships. We have an international NGO, a nonprofit organization like was explained in the video. We have children's feeding centers. We have a medical center that I expected to maybe have 100 to 150 consultations in a month, and now we're averaging 1,000 consultations in a month. I, just, I was just at a meeting with our, with our, our medical center, and we had a, an anniversary, and that medical center has had over 45,000 consultations in a five-year period. It just continues to grow more and more. And we're looking at that going, what in the world is this all about? And not only are we having this medical center, we're having Nicaraguan businessmen that are donating to that medical center. Catholic businessmen donating to our medical center. I can't explain that. But God can. You see, hey, he has a plan. He has a vision. And with that medical center, we're reaching out into the communities. where We have small groups in the communities. Because of, of that medical center, we were able to start the Las Nubes Church out of the Las Manalda Church, where the medical center is actually located. You see in verse 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the word, this is verse 4, 
But many of them who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. You see, what was going on here is these men were legit. These men were doing something. They were accomplishing something big for the gospel. And it drew bad attention. And they wanted to kill him off. Difficulty number two, being attacked for doing right. On the next day, their rulers and elders, this is verse 5 through 7. On the next day, their rulers and elders and, and, and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem and with Annas and the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? All they did was heal a man that needed to be healed. All they did is help a crippled man. And the the Sanhedrin is just doing all the seeding from behind the scenes and trying to, to get people and gathering people against them, attacking them. Why? The attacks come from the enemy. We fully expect attacks in Nicaragua. It is a difficult thing when you are successful. It is a difficult thing that you have busted out walls and your church is becoming successful. Satan hates it. The devil hates it. So if you want to learn how to, to pray for missions, to pray for the missionary endeavor, to pray for church planting as we know it, pray for the difficulty of what happens to a ministry when it becomes legit. Pray when, uh, when uh, we're being attacked for doing what's right. You see, being attacked is happening right here in America now. The war on Christians if you don't believe it, when I was in the, in the United States as a youth pastor in the Bible Belt of East Texas, I was not allowed to mention the church, not allowed to bring tracts of the church, not allowed to bring invitations of the church, and definitely, whatever I did, don't bring the Bible into, into our school. I was barely allowed into the school. Now that was, uh, that was in the 90s, folks. Are you seeing how the heat's being turned up? Are you seeing that when a Russian exchange student uh, lives in America for a year and they do, they do a, a, an interview with a Russian exchange student and she said the most surprising thing that she found in her time in America was the lack of liberty, the lack of freedom? Do you know that I live in a country that was ruled by the Russians and Cuba during the 80s? We are a communist nation. Now they call us a socialist nation. Sounds softer. But do you know that in the, in the country that I work in, they allow us to walk with Bibles and do morality conferences and lead young people to Christ in the school systems? I can do that in a country that was, that was ruled by Russia during the communist era, during the Iron Curtain days, during the, the era that you only got to hear pieces and, and bits of information and news about, about how terrible and bad and anti-God it is, yet in that country, we get to be involved in the public schools, leading people to Christ. You see, being attacked for doing what's right went away in Nicaragua. And see, we have a window. And as Christians, as missionaries, we've got to be attacking. We've got to make hay while the sun's shining. We've got to take advantage of this opportunity. Because we have opportunities in Nicaragua that you don't even have here in Republic. You see, because uh, my wife's cousin is a principal in a school in, a, in this system. And he's not supposed to mention Jesus. If he mentions something even on his Facebook, he's been told he'll be in trouble. That's here. 
That's what's going on right now in America. Folks, if you think you have freedom, you have, you're that frog in the water. That's, the water's been turned up and the temperature's rising and you're getting boiled to death. In America, you do not have religious freedom. That's the reality of it. Not the religious freedom like we even know in, in countries like Nicaragua. In fact, I can guarantee you within the next 10 years, there's going to be more religious freedom in Cuba than you have here in Republic. But you still have the money. You still have the churches. And you still have the Christians. And the Christians in America have got to take advantage and impact these nations like Cuba, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, while we can. Difficulty number three being hated for Jesus. It says in verse 11 and 12, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no, there, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Folks, this same Jesus, the Jesus that they were preaching, the Jesus that they were giving their testimony about while they were basically in a situation of a court, an illegal court hearing. And they're talking about this Jesus. That's the same Jesus that they hated. The same Jesus that the leaders of school systems in America hates. The same Jesus that political figures in America hate. But guess what? The church is still strong in America even though people are hating it. It's still strong. You're here today. You're meeting here today. You've planted this church here today. But they hate his standards. They hate his rules. They hate his ambassadors. You're supposed to be ambassadors of the King of Kings. They hate his salvation. They hate his followers. Peter, in the last part of this text, where he says, by which we must be saved. This is a, this is a direct appeal to the Sanhedrin. Wow, he's being crazy. He's being bold. He's being evangelistic, even though he's being questioned. How bold is your Christianity? Are you being hated on? Maybe not to your face. But I guarantee you the people that you, that you uh, are around every day, day in and day out, in the schools, in the grocery stores, in the stores, on the streets, they hate the Jesus that died for you. They hate Him. And Peter held up his Lord as the only hope of man. Even though Peter knew they hated him, he didn't back down. So when people are hating God and people are hating Christianity and people are hating the church, we have to just understand this is nothing more than another difficulty. And we have to pray for it. You see, these are just some of the many projects that we have that are going on in Nicaragua. Understand that missions done right is expensive. Missions done right is a multi-million dollar investment. But the souls of man are worth every single penny. Difficulty number four. Being forced to be silent. Verse 18, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now this is the primitive church. This is the early church. Does it sound familiar, folks? Look here. The Ten Commandments. Oh, get that out of your courtrooms. The, the, the Bible, get that out of your school. This isn't something new under the sun. How many people were born after like 1999? Anybody in here that young? Anybody born in, in, in 95 or after? 95? 
See, they've been doing this before you were born. They're just turning up the heat every year a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. So what is the difficulty? It's being forced to be silent. You see, you have liberties. You have a right to speak. But if you're a Christian, no, you don't. Does that bother you? Does that irritate you? Does that frustrate you? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just used to it. I don't know. You see, I come back from a communist nation, and I get to see the freedoms we don't have here in America. So it hits me in the face because I'm gone for a few years at a time. And every time I come back, the the heat's been turned up a little bit more in America. But folks, you still have the churches. You still have the people. You still have the finances. And you still have God. And He's still on His throne. And He's not surprised by any of this. Sometimes this being forced into silence is blatant in missions. It was during the Cold War era through communism. It is now more than ever with the Muslims. And sometimes, little by little, through secularism, which would be more like what we are experiencing here in the States, being forced to be silent. I hope you're not okay with it, and I hope you understand that there are countries in the world that we're not being forced into silence. And that's when you get to be involved in missions. You get to be plugged into the missionary endeavor. And you get to reach people with the gospel. Even though they're trying to silence you here, they can't silence you globally. When you pray for missions, when you financially give to missions, your mouth, your word, your words, the gospel is getting out there because of your church. Do you understand the global impact of your involvement in global missions? Difficulty number five, the final difficulty, is being bold in these times. Verse 31 And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Look up here at number five. You see, we have Avance Sport Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Fellowship of Christian Athletes have their headquarters in Kansas City. Some of you may or may not be aware of how they work. Fellowship of Christian Athletes has 1,500 employees, 40,000 volunteers, 2 million athletes in America. So while secular America is attempting to silence Christianity, there's still organizations out there making it happen, and hopefully the church, God's church, is one of those organizations making it happen. You see in the stat in the video, we have between our youth departments and our, in our, and our sports ministry, our churches are working with over 2,000 teenagers. We're having an impact in Nicaragua. This is the last youth event I attended right before I flew back for this furlough. We had over 700 teenagers there. Folks, if you turn to Fox News, you look at CNN, everything's falling apart and the country's going to pot. But God is still on the throne. And we have to understand that, that there are difficulties. And we have to pray for those difficulties. And one of the main difficulties that I see is right here in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. What's the difficulty? Having boldness. Standing up. Doing what matters. Doing what's going to impact. Talking. Opening your mouth. And there's something else I, I see here. People are not bold with their words anymore because we're all scared about what people are going to say. We're all, we're, all, we're all scared about offending somebody. 
And, and I'm even seeing that on the political levels, we're, we're, we're afraid we're going we're gonna to offend Muslims. You know, I had the opportunity to speak to an Iranian who defected from Iran. His, his, his father was a radical Muslim. You know what he told me? Americans are being stupid. They are infiltrating, and this is how they're doing it. They're coming in. They're coming from Iran. They're coming into countries like Nicaragua that don't require a visa. And they're being coyoted up through Mexico into our southern borders. And they're not coming in to be nice people. When he was sent off to war as an Iranian, he was told you have to kill seven Jews or seven helpers of the Jews or die trying if you want to go to heaven. As a Muslim. Seven Jews or seven helpers of the Jews. You know who the seven helpers would be? North American soldiers. And so as we try to be nice and we try to be kind and we try to be accepting, understand that they just say, we're stupid. And that's from the mouth of an Iranian man who knows what's going on. One day, we're either going to have to shut our mouths and deny Christ, or we're just going to have to continue to be bold about it. And you have to make those decisions ahead of time. You can't make that decision off the cuff. You can't make that decision in the last minute moment. You see, do we speak to others with boldness? If you want to pray for missions, if you want to pray for the advancing of Christianity, pray that we speak with boldness. Pray that we do missions with boldness. I know Danielle Ortega personally. Ted Cruz just brought it up before the Senate. He's trying to cut off funds to Daniel Ortega. I've talked to the man. I, I, I actually liked the man when I talked to him. Now, he's the communist leader of Nicaragua. Very friendly guy. He's a political guy. He can't help but like political people sometimes. But you know, when I, when I talked to Daniel Ortega and he asked me what I was doing here, I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. We're certain Baptist churches and we're reaching the youth of your, your, your country. Okay. I wasn't going to say, well, I'm just here just loving on people and trying to help. And No. We're starting churches and we're, and, and we're, and we're talking. And I, and, and I actually gave him the plan of salvation at that moment. While, while walking and talking with the man who's the president of the country. Folks, when I would go out to eat with the mayor of Managua, I would say, before we eat, can I go ahead and pray for our meal? Well, he's a political figure. You know, he might just skip the prayer for the meal thing. No, I, I, it wasn't a big deal, but yeah, I'd like to pray for the meal. I'd like to pray for you. Just the boldness of saying, I'm a Christian. And I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to put it under a coat and not let anybody know. And I'm just here doing good stuff. No. Missions is not about doing the good stuff. Missions is about reaching people. And let me close with this. This is what missions is about, and this is why you're praying for these difficulties. Because heaven is real. Hell is real. People are going to spend eternity in one of those two places. And as Christians, we've got to do something about it. That's the reality of why we're doing this. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this congregation. We thank You for this church. Lord, we thank You for Your Word, the book of Acts, that just lists out the difficulties that these men were having. And God, we see that those difficulties just completely 
show us today what are the difficulties we're dealing with right here in the United States of America, the same exact difficulties. Lord, you gave us those difficulties. You gave us those examples. And you gave, it, you gave us those difficulties and examples in your word so we know what to pray for. We know what to shoot for. We know what to aim for. Lord, we just ask that you will just help this church do global missions like they never thought possible. In Jesus' name, amen.